Hello, and welcome to the Soundweavers podcast. Soundweavers explores the trials and tribulations of small ensemble musicianship through conversations with leading performers and composers. Today's episode features composer, performer, and scholar Ikatut Gede Asnama. We hope you enjoy. Lovely and wonderful gentlefolk, welcome back to the Sound Weavers podcast. As always, I am your harping host, Dr. Rosanna Moore, and today my incredible and wonderful co-pilot is the brilliant Dr. Adam Paul Cordell. How are you today, my dear? I am doing quite well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just dandy. Thank you so much for asking. So we're really excited today because we have the wonderful and brilliant Iketut Gede Asnawa, or Puck, who uh, is a teacher and performer and composer of Balinese gamelan. He's from Indonesia and has taught at a variety of government-sponsored secondary and tertiary level conservatories and has taught Balinese music since 1980, currently teaching at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. We also have a brilliant collaborator with us today, Dr. Brent Talbot, and I just want to introduce you both and say a huge thank you for joining us for this interview today. Okay, thank you so much for having me and this uh, interview, and so nice to, uh, to see my colleagues here. So without further ado, let's get into the questions. Uh, Puck, could you tell us a little bit more about what a gamelan is? Because I know not all of our listeners will know what these instruments are. Well, gamelan can simply said is this kind of uh, a, tra- a traditional music of Indonesia. It's more important. It is uh, primarily uh, uh, found in uh, two islands, island of Java and island of Bali. In midst of, uh, of the percussion, uh, instrument, a success uh, gong, metalophone, can be drum, uh, can be flute, also can be cymbals, uh, and, and um, uh, some more. So, uh, instrument is a kind of, uh, uh, it's like an orchestra, consists of many instruments and played up uh, a band of the people. So, the people here making music together. Uh, and then play uh, uh, and through the uh, uh, traditional ways. The, the musician is a knowledge of music before, but you can just play it and then trying it, trying it. So that's a gamelan, it's kind of, uh, it's life in uh, representation of uh, uh, Indonesian culture in general. For most Indonesian, gamelan is uh, an uh, integral part of the Indonesian culture. If you look at the gambolan, the function of gambolan actually is used to accompany uh, what you call a religious ritual, ceremonies, uh, can be uh, accompanied dance or dance drama, even a traditional uh, theater such as uh, wayang or puppet saddle can be performed as regarding to the singing 
concert, uh, festival, exhibition, and a lot more. Pak, could you tell us a little bit about the differences between the gamelans in Java and in Bali? Well, pretty simple is, uh, uh, there is a phrase, it's, uh, people use it. It's a Japanese gamelan like a nighttime and then Balisan gamelan is like a, the daytime. You see the difference there, night and uh, the daytime. So it mean, or the other, uh, the other way to say is gamelan, uh, Javanese gamelan more contemplative, uh, slow, more religious, and Balisan gamelan more uh, bright, loud, and uh, attractive. Mm. And do they use the same types of instruments uh, in Java and Bali, or um, or do they use different types of instruments to get the different types of sounds? Well, it's quite similar, but it seems the, the Javanese gamelan more uh, more uh, a simple form, but one is gamelan more elaborate. Mm. Mm. So because the the, the people be, uh, behind of that gamelan quite different, so. The Japanese gamelan more sweet, more formal, and Balinese gamelan more open-minded. Interesting. That's awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the tuning systems are different? Um, for example, uh, when I was in my doctorate, I studied the um, difference between cilantro and pelag, and I wonder, oh. um, like, can you speak to us a little bit about how the concept of tuning is different? in um, gamelan than it might be for Western musicians? There are two tuning systems exist in gamelan. Either Javanese gamelan, Balinese gamelan. They use the same thing. They call it pelog and slendro. If you look at this term, I think there's a kind of uh, a dualistic system. The, the slendro is kind more feminist and then uh, a pelog more masculine. So uh, girl, uh, uh, a boy and girl, or men and, and ladies, yeah, something like that. So, in uh, this concept, is kind of, we call it in Bali, they call it Rua Beneda concept. Dualistic system, two differences. One is quite uh, more, uh, uh, more attractive, more progressive, and then the other one is more calm. Hmm. So, basically, if you look at this system, you can see from the, the different set of the interpolic system. In Slendro, uh, this kind of the interpolic system is used more, more equally, but the opposite side of the pelog is more unequals. So there's more, uh, more of possibility if you play on the pelog. So uh, in the pelog, you can mix kind of uh, uh, at least eight modes on it by the uh, second tone. And then, but the, uh, and this possibility make the, the pelog is more kind of masculine. It's like us, so in, in terms of feeling. So I think this uh, kind of a very, very clear, the concept of dualistic here uh, is just a slender, more, uh, more calm, and then pelog more attractive. And so it's, it's got that kind of yin and yang kind of, of association. Association with the yang yin in, in, in uh, uh, Chinese culture. So looking at gamelans from around the world, something that always strikes me is how incredibly beautiful they all are. They're always so wonderfully crafted and they're pieces of art as well as beautiful instruments. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how a gamelan is crafted? Wow. I think it's a, 
in the boiled gamelan is uh, involved many group of peoples. One is, is uh, we call it gongsmiths, who does is to, uh, to, to craft the, the material because the gamelan is mostly uh, made by the bronze. So this need to be a special people who train or who belong to, we call it a pande, the gongsmiths itself. No one else can be able to do that. It's been a trained people as also the clan of the people who maybe, uh, deal with the iron. It's not just for gamble, they can make a, a something, the, the kitchen stuff, like a knife, whatever. The only that clan will be able uh, allow to work for, for that kind of work. The first is a gongsmith, and then the second group of people is to make the cases, work with the, the wood itself or, or bamboo, whatever, uh, and then carp of them. So this also train people, not common people who can be able to do that. Hmm. Everything very special people. So there is two different kind of group of people works together. One side making material of the, the, the keys, one is the other side making the cases. And then the third people is the tuner, the, the one who uh, knows how to uh, uh, establish the, the, the tuning system according to the, the taste and flavor of the consumer is needed. So the port people is the gambling seller. The gambling seller is the ensembler. They can collect all the material from, from gongsmith, the comforter, carping people, and then assembling it in the company and then sell it to everyone. So you spoke a little bit earlier about the um, the role that gamelan plays in uh, traditions and, and religious practices. Can you talk a little bit about how, like what sorts of, of religious events uh, and, and types of cultural events would you find a gamelan um, at? Oh, that's a great question. I think in Bali, uh, the, the function or the involve the gamelan in our tradition is fall in five categories. And we call it pancha yadnya. Pancha mean five, yadnya mean five holy sacrifice. The first one is a, is a holy sacrifice for the God. The gamel will be played and there starts a, like a, we call it sloning, gamelan gong gede, gamelan gamang, gamelan gong kabiar, and it's a lot of things. And then the second uh, 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 categories is gutayadnya. Uh, this is kind of a, a ceremony uh, for the evil spirit or grand uh, spirit. We call it gutayadnya for the evil. Uh, we play the, the gambolan is like a gambolan bleganjur or we call it gambol bartel, like a processional instrument. It's very loud. Uh, uh, the, the ceremony we call it macharu is a, a purification for the area or the territory. So uh, to cl clarify, in, uh, in the order, we do macharu first, and then the second step is gonna be the holy thing we do for the God. And then the middle is uh, categories of, we call it resiyatnya. This only uh, sacrifice for the holy man, like a priest. So the gamelan involved here is called gender wayang or sloning uh, or flute ensemble. So holy is for the uh, holy man. And then another, another two is, uh, is called uh, pitrayatnya, is the uh, cremation. Cremation, this is the, uh, the, the gamelan for the deaths. 
and we, we play that during the, the uh, when they, we carry uh, uh, the body to the cemetery, and then we play a little bit loud music that are like a, a, a bleganjur and, and gambang and also gamelan angklung. And then the last category is going to be uh, es manusayagnya. Manusia is human being. Yeah, the ceremony for the right patient, like a, a, a baby born marriage ceremony, we hired gamelan. Uh, for uh, you know to make a, a kind of ceremony more more colorful so uh, there's the primate gamelan smart guling can be played there gamelan gong kebiar gamelan suling and many other so five categories well and it's fascinating too just to see and, and to kind of think about the parallels between you know like for example gamelan for the dead and the idea of you know we have masses in western music and it's just interesting to see how these types of traditions carry over no matter what culture you might be um operating in so that actually leads really nicely into the next question so going off um what you just mentioned adam of there being uh these crossovers from around the world what I noticed from your question is you have gamelan for everything. You have a music for everything, which is really wonderful. And traditionally, gamelan performances involve an entire village. I, how is it that the entire community come to learn to play gamelan instruments? Well, for Balinese, uh, gamelan is kind of part of the offering. It's like, uh, you know, five categories we just mentioned uh, before. So the way we learn is very, very communal. So it's quite different than Western uh, style of uh, learning music. In here, you already have uh, your own instrument. You can take it at home, bring it to the practice uh, area. But in Bali, different thing. We come to, to one place. They call it community center, whatever. You come to the, the, the banyar, uh, the community center, you don't have to bring anything. Just you bring your dedication, bring your mind, and work together with it. So we come to the banyar. Everyone already has their accomplishment. What instrument they are to try to uh, to play? But actually, in Bali, the people will not move around. They play very professional in one instrument over and over. If you look at the instrument itself, it's going to be fall into three uh, a group. Up the instrument. One is a bass instrument or the core instrument. We have also punctuation instrument like a gong and a core melody. And then the second part of the instrument, as we call it, elaboration instrument. And then the, the third uh, uh, group instrument can be mediator or the timekeeper going to be established. The, 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 everybody on time. It's like the human metronome. You have to be a human metronome to be a Katuk. <laughs> exactly, this metronome actually. So everyone uh, come together, they already know uh, what they, they're gonna be do. And then the teacher just give them a direction, a guidance them. You have to do this, have to do this uh, uh, as part of the composition. Everybody come together, make music together, and to be uni unify yourself in this group of the gamelan, something like that. I think a lot of people compare gamelan with orchestral music, but in a lot of ways, some of the things that you're mentioning are much more like Western chamber music, just in the oh. idea of the shifting leadership and the roles that everyone plays. Um, so, you know, I wonder if you can speak just a little bit to how 
um, this kind of idea of, of the way that everybody is responsible for a leadership role at some point, how that influences the experience of community within the gamelan. That's a great question, actually. Actually, in the gamelan, there is no superiority or inferiority. Everybody acting equally. We mm-hmm. are the same thing. But we have a, a, a role. We have a, a kind of a regulation how the gamelan works. So like I said, start, I will start with the bispers. The bass instrument is like, uh, we call it jagogan, mm-hmm. chalung, or jublag. It's the law of the gamelan. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like a priest in our uh, tradition. Priest is going to be decided. and uh, can be uh, a pretty important part in the gamelan because they are ca- carry the, all uh, the, the, uh, the core of melody there, the basic thing, foundation. Like the house, you have built up from the, the foundation, yes. right? The foundation is will be the gong structure you have to looking for, and then the the uh, melodic core. So this is the basic thing, and then we do have the gangsas. You can see the on gamelan angklung. They call it gangsas. There are three different size. They have uh, uh, ugal, pemade, and then kantilan. So each one has their uh, has uh, to have to establish the the system there. The ugal can be a melodic leader. Uh, embrace the melody is based by the bass, and then elaborate through the cortecan part. The cortecan part is kind of a, a fire walk in Balinese gamelan, so make it a little more brighter, brighter, the brighter. So they're pretty much uh, uh, like a con- counterpart with, between the two people, and they'll multiply become, become a, a, a eight or ten people together, make a firework. So you can imagine how the sound could be. Right, so a lot of thing going on. We call it a kotekan polos and then sangse. They are the two different parts. They put it together and become once, and then become a complete melody. This is the, the role of the, like the people. The base instrument like a legislation. The the gangsas is like a administration in in the office. You, you execute everything, and the third party will be a, a, a mediator, which is the drum. The drum is considered to be a master, can be a leadership of the group. Mm. So the drum can be uh, conduct the music, can be mended the music uh, in terms of the tempo, uh, dynamic changing, uh, start the, the, the music, and then underscore the, the dance movements. Mm-hmm. Totally it's, uh, uh, works together, totally works together. together. Uh, in this point, we're looking just one, it's unity. I just a note on that is um, so I I played gamelan for a couple of years when I first came to the US. Yes, I, I'm not very good at it, but one of the first things I remember being told uh, by Dr. Ellen Koskoff uh, when we were all sat in sat cross legged, uh, getting to know each other is you. Everyone yes. has to leave your ego by the door. This is not a music where you come in and go, I'm going to be the soloist, which is so important um, to think about because the, this is a community endeavor. The entire ensemble is responsible for something and both raises up and supports everyone else. And that's a really important thing that I think we can absolutely learn from for Western musics. And we don't always do in Western mm-hmm. music. Let that uh, give you a, a good word for this. There's a place in Balinese, we call it saling asah, asih, asuh. Asah, we learn together, we are completely equal. And then asih, we love together. Hmm. And then asuh, we learn together. Hmm. 
there is no teacher, there is no gap between the student and teacher. We are family. Saling asah, asih, and asuh. Going off of that, gamelan as a folk music is mainly an oral tradition. So it, it is taught and passed down um, from person to person, from villager to villager, from community to community. By comparison, Westerners depend, uh, we value our notation so much. So what are your thoughts on people notating gamelan music for whatever purpose they're notating it for? For me, there's nothing wrong with the notation. Notation is a symbol of music or music symbol. For me, the notation is helped me a lot. The notation is a tool, you know, I, I can work on it. So originally, in, we are in Bali, there is notation. Uh, there is no uh, 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 using the notation during the, uh, the performer performance, right? But since we uh, do uh, open the conservatory uh, in 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 Indonesia, where which is the where where's the 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 gamelan become a formal study in school, so we establish kind of a notation to be uh, able to show the student how the real music is. If you if you see taking the music, you always think about the audio, right? You can listen it, but you never see them around. But the sound is, you can see the sound going uh, everywhere, but you can see through the, uh, the notation where donation work is, the combination between the, 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 the note itself, the, the look is like a painting. Mm -hmm. It's very, very aesthetic. Notation in, in Gamelan, uh, uh, in general, we, uh, they call it the cipher notation using the, the number. And in Bali, using we using the kind of a letter, Balinese letter, one, two, three, five, six. We using the Balinese letter, but in Java, they already developed the notation since in ancient time. They using the the, the number, one, two, three, five, six, or you can uh, play uh, that number through different mode, one, two, four, five, six, or. Mm -hmm. Two, three, five, six, seven, something. You can create the the the, the mudra there. So, well, uh, the notation for me is uh, since we I'm teaching the gamelan by myself, mm -hmm. and then we have a bunch of students in front of me. I can't care all things the same time. So that's here the notation is going to be help a lot. I I know be uh, uh, notate the music or I put uh, uh, on the blackboard there whiteboard, and then I look at that. I can fix the, uh, the bass instrument first, and then while the bass already created, established, and then everybody, the, all the elaboration part, I'm gonna be listening listen it. And then uh, I, I tell them to do it, uh, the, their own part, or as they call it, kotekan, a little by little. Mm -hmm. So this connect, connection between the bass instrument the, to elaborate is actually, is uh, related. It has a very close relationship. If you elaborate the music, you have to understand what is going on on the bass. Of course, it's here you have to uh, have to ask a pretty uh, sensitivity of the musical idea on that. So notation for me, even the uh, in the practically, uh, this uh, just uh, I just mentioned, this gonna be notation good for us is for the documentation in the future. We can notate the music and then we can use that and then look it up. Uh, in the future. I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on how you approach 
teaching gamelan differently in the U.S. than you do in Bali? I can say I still maintain my teaching 75% to be okay. authentic city. Authentic, yep. By, uh, by oral tradition. And then 25%, the rest of that is kind of compromising mm-hmm. or synchronize the idea between uh, the traditional and uh, 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 the new strategy mm-hmm. to, to attack the Sudan between me and my student. I used the, the, the technique of, of teaching is, uh, we call it Maguru Pangul, the teaching through the mallet. This uh, creates something, uh, interaction between teacher and, and uh, the student, which is the, how this uh, uh, system work is let the student watching what I did through their eyes. And then at the same time, you have, they have to listen it. And then the third thing, the goal is here is, and how to uh, do it, how to doing it by doing it and playing it. So that's the kind of the system. Uh, I, I try to become authentic here. I didn't want to uh, teaching the student all basically based by the paper or, or something else. I want to give them uh, this, the Balinese people doing it in Bali when they're learning music. They just uh, uh, give the part and then everybody listening it and then watching it. And then the third is trying it and doing it. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of uh, uh, works very well in, in some point, but it's still, uh, it's depending the student itself. Mm-hmm. Somebody that some, sometimes the, uh, the student has a good sensitivity of the musical, especially uh, uh, about the rhythm, and somebody okay, uh, having problem with the find the, 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 the timekeeper. And, and here I'm, I'm using more uh, compromising idea because I, I listen uh, what they want to, I, I watch them what they do. After I, I saw it that, that something wrong, something improved, and then I come and I comprom- compromise with them. Oh goodness! No, I I think pet. Pedagogically, this is wonderful to hear, though, because I know this is certainly something I say to my students, is that every single student, regardless of whether they're a complete beginner or someone who's been playing for years, they are going to find something that they struggle with. It might be on the first day, it might be on the hundredth day, but there is going to be something that everyone struggles with. And it's just wonderful to hear this from a a brilliant pedagogue and teacher um, from who doesn't teach Western music, and it's good that there is so much overlap in the way that we teach music throughout the world. So. This kind of conclusion of the how the we are learning together is uh, start with simples mm-hmm. and, and be patient, either from the student or from the teacher itself. And then we develop the part little by little. If there is a, a, a problem, and then we repeat repeat and repeat, there's a lot of repetition going on. So by repeated planting, like uh, waiting for the bus regularly, you know, if you miss one and then another one will be coming in later. <laughs> Something like that, okay? <laughs> my, um, my, my, my work and my dissertation in 2009 and 2010, I was working at the University of Illinois, specifically um, as, uh, as a visiting professor in music education. And I was working on my dissertation as a as finishing up my graduate work at Eastman 
And so I had the, the joy of having played gamelan with Nyoman Swadin. So when I was at Illinois, I studied, um, I wanted to research what happens, the very question that Adam asked, which was how do people outside of their own kind of home culture teach and experience the, their own kind of cultural music in a new space? And how do you take that out of its kind of original context? Gamelan, as we've already discussed on the show, is participatory. It's um, embedded into the cultural fabric of every community. It is something that you are born hearing. It's a folk music. People know these things. And it functions in a way to bring people together, but it's also a part of kind of the everyday ceremonial life and experiences in Bali. And how do you lift that out, which, you know, you never know when somebody's going to be born or is going to die or is going to like these parts of our life cycles, right? So they, they functions in many ways like a volunteer fire department or something. You know, it's like it's like suddenly something happens and we all have to rush and people arrive and they kind of make something occur. And so it's it's not always, you know, at a set time or this particular thing, people will gather, they'll rehearse briefly before a performance and they'll mm -hmm. put it on, but they can do that because the repertoire is, is, is known within that kind of setting. When you lift it out of that kind of experience and then you put it in a space like the University of Illinois, where I was studying Asnawa Teach, I, you know, that changes everything. Now you have you know, a group of students who are going through this kind of liminal time frame of a four-year curriculum, they may only participate for one semester or sign up for this class that they register for that meets on yeah. particular days at these set times. That's a very different experience than kind of the more organic participatory nature of how Gamelon might function in its original home um, context. And so as a teacher of somebody who's like, who's literally trained uh, competitive, you know, like co competition winners. And he's, he's done all of this amazing work. I mean, he's, he's to get to that level, you have to, ha you know, you have to come in with a very strict kind of attitude and a forceful kind of approach to teaching sometimes to really get young high schoolers to perform at on the national stage or international stages to do that. And how do you kind of take that out of its context and then situate yourself in a, in a space where suddenly this class is, is teaching beginners. I mean, a lot of the work that um, Asnawa is teaching are things that might be more appropriately taught to, you know, kindergartners in Bali or things like that, you know? So, so how, do you, how do you gain this kind of knowledge when you have none of the codes, the musical codes to be able to kind of attach onto that? And then I really wanted to know, what does that do to the teacher? How do they function? How, do the, how does it change? Like, what's the angst and frustration that Asnawa has to go through every single semester as he starts again, you know, like this kind of cycle, right? So, um, and so the, the interesting part that I discovered and what my dissertation kind of examines is his teaching approach was fascinating to me because um, Bach um, earned, a, a, he has a master's in ethnomusicology from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where he studied with Mantel Hood, who's one of the major kind of founding figures in, in the field of ethnomusicology. And so he has a rich, deep understanding, not only of gamelan, but of many different cultural kind of musics. And having gone to a conservatory in a Western um, you know, space, he's also learned kind of the Western codes of notation and forms of music that are uh, essential to kind of graduating in from a degree like that. So. He always, what I observed was he always started with a Balinese style because in Bali, when you learn a new piece, it's like you just start at full tempo as if you were performing it. And of course it would like, 
instantly fall apart and all of the Americans would be sitting there just like, I don't understand what's going on and, and frustrated. And then he would dial it back and he would kind of build it up structurally, really focusing heavily on getting their technique as he was talking about and then building that out. And then the follow out of that is that, you know, once something's been fixed, maybe we've repeated it many, many times because this musical is cyclical and things, then we would, you know, he would try to return as quickly as possible to a Balinese style of teaching. So it's this constant code switching and music switching as a pedagogue that was constantly negotiating both language and music and, and codes of kind of knowledge uh, within musical knowledge, right? You know, a Western kind of context versus Balinese kind of context with the goal that everybody will be able to immerse themselves as quickly uh, and comfortably as possible within a Balinese context so that that happens. And of course, it's more successful when you um, have done it for many, many semesters or many, many years. Um, but it's, it's difficult when you're only in it for maybe one semester and you just try to kind of get as much as you can in that moment. So I just wanted to kind of clarify some of those ideas that Asnawa had already kind of mentioned, so. Great, yeah, great clarification, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, great. So how do you feel as a teacher when the, uh, you know, we, we have to be handled from beginner the same time with the advanced people. Mm -hmm. It's just hard thing to mix, mix them together. It's, it's gonna be happen in, in the community gamelan very much because the people come to the, the, the group just for fun. They don't think about something else. They, just, they want to socializing themselves, they talk it with other people, you know. So music is the secondary for them. So this is kind of hard for me to collaborate the, the, the thing in, at, at one. Mm -hmm. But the experience said it is more successful at the end. It's more happy at appear in the end. So this means I'm glad to do that. Moving away from talking about pedagogy and um, and how a gamelan is put together, I wanted to talk a little about the Bali Arts Festival, which is a hugely important festival that works to preserve Balinese culture and an experience that you've participated in many times. Could you talk a little bit about the role that the Bali Arts Festival plays in your work? All right, thank you for the question. Let me start from the beginning then. So the Bali Art Festival was created uh, in the 1979 by our governor, his uh, name is uh, Professor Idabagus Mantra. Uh, he's the a scholar, is uh, uh, graduate from the India, is learning uh, culture and, and a religion over there. And then back to become, become a governor as before I work in Jakarta as the uh, culture affair in, in Jakarta. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, he's, he's pretty clear about uh, what's going on on that time because Bali is seem as kind of already uh, overload. Overload is just, it's not culturally, but also uh, globally, a lot of people coming in and they bring their own uh, uh, culture. So he is aware about that, how we preserve our, our people, our culture on that point. So he's uh, uh, bring it up. Uh, uh, become a Bali, uh, Bali art festival. It's uh, going on every, every year uh, on uh, between uh, June and July for one month. Uh, this the fun, the, 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 the purpose of this uh, uh, event is one is uh, preserving and then revitalizing 
and then they are loving. So three different thing. They 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 try we 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 uh, recover uh, everything. In one side we have to preserve the the old tradition. Is maybe kind of already extinct. We dig it out and then and then we revitalizing it. Use the the original art form on that point and then we uh, try to modify it in in some way. So it's become because old tradition is be. We never know what is the old, very, uh, the old, very old, uh, ancient one. And then at the other side, uh, we uh, get the opportunity to develop from the old style to the new style. I mean, the, uh, uh, learning the new stuff. So the, with the three things, I think the, the, our culture it, uh, uh, in, in art itself is going to be grow up uh, very uh, uh, inseparable within the other. So there's going to be a parallel all the time. The other side, we maintain the traditional one. The other side, we keep moving in. So the activities for the, the Bali Art Festival is uh, there is four. In the beginning, we always opening by uh, parade. It's performed by uh, eight regency or nine now, nine regency and, uh, uh, and uh, we call it the, the city, central city, then Pasar. So become uh, uh, eight regency and one city. So every uh, uh, single of that regency have to show, show off their potential about the art and culture. What is the uh, uh, uniqueness from that uh, uh, regencies? So and in that period we see a uh, so variety, so different thing from a different uh, 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 territory from regency. It's so colorful, so many things we learn from there, so many things we witnessed it. The second activity is performances. We set up the performances from in the morning until night, They're continuously. So we can see one day can be uh, a band of the uh, performing arts going on in different stages, yeah? From the small group until huge group like a competition. Mm-hmm. So during the performances, there is a, a revitalizing, a preserve, and then competition, new music, something oh, cool. like that. Okay. Yeah, like a gong kebiar competition. Can be performed by the, the children group gamolan, woman group gamolan, and then adult group gamolan. They are compete. A thousand, a thousand people yelling it. They are very fanatic with one group and then uh, get the group down at the other side. It's like uh, watching the football. I think we thought, need that for orchestral concerts, just get people to come <laughs> yeah. up and start going, woo! <laughs> but this will be happening on the open stage. Great. And then they said we have a formal uh, performances will be uh, indoor. You can see it a more, more, you know, quiet place. I mean, you can, you can, you can uh, watch uh, as kind of, uh, you know, what what you want something like that mm-hmm. and then the third uh, activities is a workshop or seminar we sharing the information mm-hmm. from the expert to the the artist itself this the the the, the people is uh, attend this uh, workshop or seminar is uh, representing uh, the people from the regency and also the common people will be also uh, can be attend uh, uh, the, 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 the 
The fourth one is uh, a kind of uh, exhibition. Bali Art Festival is not only performing art going on, it's also visual art, like a painting, sculpture, craft, all exhibited there. And then you can uh, make a business there. Everybody come, uh, watch, uh, uh, you know, see the, the exhibition. Mm -hmm. And then you make a transition. You have you interested, you can buy it. That's the four activities during the Bali art going on. Uh, and uh, in the competition, of course, the composer, the performers, and also the, the custom uh, maker, everyone is involved. So the financial, uh, financially is growing up there mm -hmm. during that, that uh, event. So that's the, uh, another effect of the Bali Art Festival to uh, give uh, uh, artists its help to making a life, making, mm. making money from there. I, I want to go. I, I don't know about you, Adam, but I really want to go. <laughs> I think we should. Let's do that. Just let me know. Yeah, we we bring the we you know last time we the the Gettysburg Gamelan uh, Gamelan Gita Samara performed a piece that Asnawa composed. Um, he uh, he also arranged uh, for us to, to to learn in particular spaces to to rehearse uh, leading up to it and to bring in additional resources of of instruments and performers to augment our performance. And then we performed at the Bali Arts Festival oh as one of the featured um, invited guests, which was pretty exciting. I wanna make sure that we close, um, first of all, with a congratulations, Pak, because you are about to retire from a, an incredible career, um, both in Indonesia and in the United States. And I wanted to close by just asking you if you could share with us some of your thoughts about how your career in the US and in Indonesia has influenced you as a performer and as a composer? Well, the first thing I want to say, I'm gonna become, become passionate people now. My, my change, my personality now has become quiet people. <laughs> I'm already getting older now. I think I, I, that's why I'm ready for a, a, a retired. So uh, as I've been, this time I was already seven years old. Uh, seven years to be in, in prison, uh, I take my work here at the uh, UFI. Hmm. And I've been uh, retired from Indonesian government. Uh, actually, I've taken early retirement. Hmm. And then be, uh, be able to come here because, you know, something I'm looking, uh, want to learn something or uh, doing something different. I think it is the time for me to uh, go back uh, because uh, I miss a lot uh, my family, you know, my friend. Of course, I want to uh, do some more, a little bit more for my culture, for my people. That's uh, what I learned here. I will sharing it there. And on the long time, I, what I got in Bali, I sharing it here. It's just kind of a tick and give. So it's a good opportunity for me uh, to uh, uh, making people there like you guys here. And then a lot of the uh, opportunity uh, to be uh, meet uh, under the people with the different kind of uh, climate, <laughs> different people. <laughs> so just to wrap up, a huge, huge thank you for joining us today, Puck, to My pleasure. Um, just share all of your wonderful knowledge. Now, 
dear listeners, if you didn't know anything about Gamelan beforehand, please do check out all our social medias. We will be sharing so many pictures and resources of all of these instruments so that you can see what all of them, uh, what they all look like. And then you can do your own research and find all of these brilliant, brilliant bits of music that you may not have been exposed to before. Now, uh, we are going to have Puck's uh, social medias and everything down in the show notes. So I do recommend that you have a look uh, at all of the wonderful things that he has done throughout his career. And once again, thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Soundweavers podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and most other major podcast platforms. We hope that you'll visit us at www.soundweaverscast.com, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Soundweaverscast, and on Twitter at SWChambercast, where you'll get episodes as soon as they drop, show notes, and regular updates. This podcast is hosted by Rosanna Moore and engineered by Blair Kerner. I'm your producer, Adam Paul Cordell. Our theme music was composed by Evan Henry and recorded by the Soundweavers team. The music you heard in today's podcast was composed by Ikutut Gadeus Nawa and performed by the Chicago Balinese Gamelon. On behalf of the Soundweavers cast, see you in two weeks. <laughs>